Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Off The Ball Live at the Sugar Club. Previewing the Dublin Racing Festival tonight. We've got Davey Russell, Rachel Blackmore, Patrick Mullins, Nikki English, Emma Doyle and John Duggan. But first, would you please welcome on stage Johnny Ward, Jer Gilroy and Off The Ball's very own loose horse, Mr. Kevin Caban. Well, that's the uh, first hurdle of the evening hello. got over and uh, we haven't fallen down, so that's not bad. Yeah, well done. Hello, the Sugar Club. I don't, I don't think this crowd deserves the, the amount of winning tips that we're going to give them in the final part of the show tonight. They just haven't done enough to impress me yet, Johnny. No, you just have to allow them to wait another hour and 40 minutes of crap to get through to the hey. <laughs> may not win. Hey, so Johnny's going to do the show on his own because the rest of the show is going to be absolutely brilliant. We've got some superstar guests. Today is a big day in the racing calendar, obviously. Uh, some of the best horses in the world are in action on display in the, uh, the Tiestes Day. We saw presenting Percy making a seasonal yeah. debut today. A stunning victory. Yeah, and the fact that Davy Russell is here, you know, hobbling um, after falling in the beginner's chase. Uh, today was a great day's race, and it felt like the old days. It was like absolute bumper crowds, um, really kind of mild weather. And like they call it the race that's off the county, but it actually did feel like that today. It was really, really good race in the corn. And... Uh, the Dublin Racing Festival is going to be a continuation of that, I think. Yeah, Patrick Mullins is here. Um, obviously, they won the Thiestes. Apparently, it's a big night, so we're absolutely delighted that we've taken them away from one of the best parties of the year to come and <laughs> hang out with you guys. You haven't even given us a proper cheer yet. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we got them back on side. Here we go. Uh, did you have a good day, Johnny? Yeah, I had a great day. Was, um, it, was it a winning day? Was it a working day? Were you a working it, man today? Were you doing stuff? It was a working day, yeah. yeah. I, I, uh, no bets? No bets today, no, actually, no, no. I had a couple of uh, bets yesterday, went well, and uh, I met Daniel McDonald of News Talk fame, went to uh, Mulligans of Poolbeg Street very early in the day, which is quite unusual for us nowadays. <laughs> um, but uh, we had good fun. We uh, went to the Dame Tavern eventually and met a few old friends. Sounds uh, So you're working today, and you're an official working I was capacity. Work, I was working for Goran today, yeah, yeah and uh, it's a fantastic racetrack. I don't know if any of you have been, but uh, it's a real country racetrack, and there's something a bit unique about going racing midweek when there's a big crowd. It's just like, how is everybody off work today? And well, everybody in Kilkenny was not working today. They're in Goran. Like, Angela like Merkel thinks we're working is the, yeah. uh, is the banner. So one of Johnny's official duties today is to like interview the successful people involved, you know, the winning connections, the trainers, or the not. jockey. How did you get on today, Johnny? Oh, wait, the RTE cameras helpfully caught you at, at work. Watch him in his natural environment. We should adopt a David Attenborough voice here. Look, here he is. Here, here is the little man. Here is his prey. Oh, wait, yeah, I'll talk to you now. No, wait, oh, hang on. Oh, oh, oh. Johnny's like, oh. Uh, that I'm not watching oh, this. Yeah, oh, yeah, no. Oh, what's going on here? Oh, oh. oh, he's come around the back end of the horse. He's that's not said a, a word to you. That's officially, officially a burn, Johnny. Woo! Custard pie. And the, the beauty of it was, in the middle of the race day, uh, Richie Forrestal, who's the racing post editor, he goes, would you mind doing analysis of like three <laughs> of the races? And one of the races was that race, and he goes, um, so would you just give me the quote that you got from Pat Kelly? <laughs> I was like, well, it was vaguely something along the lines of mumble, mumble, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the quote I used. <laughs> Oh, thanks, Johnny. That's a start as you mean to continue this evening. All right, so uh, we are going to talk to some of the successful people from today, not least of which is one of the greatest legends of Irish racing. Please give it up for two Irish sporting legends, Nicky English and Davey Russell. Welcome. How are you? 
So, Davey, how are you feeling? A bit sore? Ah, a bit sore, yeah, but I need the money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. How, uh, what was the fall? Was it the end of the day or? Uh, yeah, just in the beginner's chase. Yeah, I just got a bit of a slap there and landed a bit awkwardly, but not too bad. Okay, so yeah. not a bad day otherwise, though, presenting Percy back out. That's right, yeah, back on the road now again. It's great to have him back, yeah. And um, no, I suppose, you know, you get a bit excited when he comes back and he wins, but he still has a long way to go, maybe to justify uh, being favoured for a Gold Cup, but at the same time, it's nice to have him back. Yeah, Johnny, you were there. Apparently, he was uh, clapped into the parade ring. Yeah, it was like... I was kind of making the analogy, uh, a piece I'm right at the moment, when Denoli was running, I think he ran in the Hennessy in 97, and people really warmed to him, and um, it was kind of like when Kilkenny hurlers were really dominant, people, a bit like uh, Dublin footballers now, John Small actually, um, people just kind of want like an upstart, or they want like a, a something coming from left field or from a, like basically an underdog. And Brazilian Percy is trained by a very uh, small yard in County Galway. Um, that uh, County Galway is a complete race in backwater. And he's just different because he's, he's owned by obviously Philip Reynolds who would only have a handful of horses. And he's just such a beautiful horse. And funny enough, when he came into the parade ring after the race, um, I could tell that the adulation like was a bit something slightly new to him and he just lashed out a kick at the Goff sign and Goff had actually sponsored the Tiestes and he was like, Perfect. I don't give a fuck. Like, you know. <laughs> uh, so he's, uh, I think he'll take an awful lot of beating in the Gold Cup and um, I would say for Davy, the thrill of riding a horse like that in the Gold Cup will be something else because he just does everything right. Not, not Davy, no, the horse. Like. <laughs> You've been with Presenting Percy every year at Cheltenham um, two years ago. It's, uh, it's, it doesn't completely destroy the field. Last year, a bit of controversy in the build-up with the, the handicapper, and then completely pissed home. It was like one of those wins where you're like, wow, this is amazing. So it's been a roll the whole way along. It must be amazing to be with the horse the whole way through, something like that. Yeah, that's right. Um, um, I suppose, you know, we are quite hard on the handicappers at times because you're always wanting to get a few quid, or a few, um, a few pounds. <laughs> <laughs> a few pounds back. Um, Hopefully that's not the first double entendre of the night. Anyway. And um, he, um, he uh, I thought he was very hard on on presenting Percy, but obviously, but then again, he's a bit. Um, he's um, he never really impresses you in a race. You know, he just just wins. And uh, but the handicapper saw maybe a bit more than I was seeing. You know. Yeah, ended up being a bit right too. Nicky, uh, we'll talk a bit more about um, Davy's racing life. But your racing life has been like since you were pretty young, right? Uh, if Galway is a racing backwater, Tipperary sure as hell isn't. No, I, 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 was, I grew up near Limerick Junction Racecourse, which is Tipperary now, the junction as we knew it. So my grandfather was very into horses and my uncle. So since I was very young, I was going to see the, the races in uh, Limerick Junction. Yeah, it was yeah, it was great summer's evenings. They're mostly flat racing we went to, even though I'd prefer National Hunt. But uh, Ken Magner used to be training horses, I think, Davy, with white bridles on horses. That's I think, right, yeah. And it, uh, it stood out and made an impression on me. So I was always interested in horses. You'd, uh, you'd involved me with a, a couple of different syndicates, um, the men of 48 and the men of 49, is that it? Yeah, that was uh, the first. Well, yeah, I never had a horse, by the way, that was clapped in or out of a parade. <laughs> yet, so. But uh, yeah, we, had, uh, we started off with, with a syndicate with Charlie Swan, actually, when he was starting off training. And uh, we had a horse called Muraluk. And... Uh, He's a bit of a character, and he won a race actually eventually. 
he didn't mind if he's own, but uh, the day he won the race, I wasn't there. So I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great thrill if you're one of the greatest thrills I ever had w was to, to see a horse that I was involved in winning a race. But uh, he put a horse down you from well around Leperstone. The Mooch, yeah. The Mooch, yeah. yeah. He always kept his best yeah. for Leperstone. Yeah, it was it? great, actually. That was, we never dreamt that he could win there, but um, Muirlook was, uh, he won a race, and, and I didn't, I wouldn't even go to the races in, in Turles. I was working. I always remember I went down to, uh, Victor Chandler had opened a betting office down in Baggett Street at the time. I'll tell you how long ago it is. That, that is a long time ago. That was a great shot. Well, they, <laughs> they, they'd give you free sandwiches yeah. and free yeah. coffee for a while there yeah, but especially at if it's Nicky English like, you know, uh, but Nicky I'm English was in again for the sandwiches like, <laughs> 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 do you remember the Nicky English yeah. but I also remember that there was a man going to back the horse Muir look he was 16 or 20 to 1 he was running a race in Turles and I said Geez, I, I don't think I'd back him now I'm after seeing enough of him I, I'm involved in him and your man took my advice he never <laughs> backed him and at Julie Muir look won at 20 to 1. And I used to meet him going up and down Baggett Street for about 10 years afterwards. He said, you gobshite. <laughs> Every time he'd see me, he'd tell me not to bet that I was what I was anyway. But anyway, that was, that was yeah, we've had a couple of horses. Well, we had a couple of horses since, and the Mooch was the most successful. Only at handicap level now, by the way. But anyway. They were named after winning Tipperary teams, is that right? <laughs> or was that, was that just a, it was a cover? Oh, sorry, the men of 48, yeah, the men yeah, of 49. Yeah. Oh, oh, they were, yeah. The, the, there's, there's a song, actually, well, how it came about was uh, one of the, the members of the syndicate, Jim McCormick, Lord of Mercy, he's dead since, but he used to sing a song called The Men of 49, which was a song about Tipperary team winning the All-Ireland in 1949 on, bell, against Leeds. I couldn't sing, I couldn't on, I bell, don't know a word, word of it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's where the, the Men of 49, and then when the syndicate changed a bit, it's now The Men of 48, and it's Donny O'Connell who played with Tipperary now. They have flat horses now, uh, Unsaidur and Sars and Kogardis that I'm not involved in. Donny's uh, mad into his horses as well. Donny O'Connell's a great man for the horses, yeah. yeah. And he's been very lucky now with Unsaidur and Andy Slattery trained those horses. They've, they've, they've been very lucky, yeah. Yeah, there's a huge hurling and, and football crossover like, that you don't really see until actually an event like the uh, Hurling for Cancer charity comes along and then suddenly all these lads come out and actually they're not just there for the charity and obviously they are but they're also there because they're racing fans as well like are you maybe you're aware of this I don't know that there is a, a the kind of racing is a sport that attracts people from all different sports ah, it does I suppose look sure we're all sports fans really you know what I mean like who doesn't know Kevin Kilban do you know what I mean and oh, there's many <laughs> and, <laughs> and who Nicky English like for a fella never kicked the ball in his life and he still scored a uh, kicked the ball into the back of the net um, above in Crow Park. But like we I me growing up like I I knew who Nicky English was and then to see him in a parade ring at a race meeting like tis twas you'd be in awe of it, do you know what I mean? And um, I don't know, I suppose GAA players probably watch the racing on the television and they, they see us in, in, in the in and they like it's it's just a connection there, but it's it's a rural thing as well, I suppose. And I suppose we're a proud country and we're very good at GAA because we're the only people to play it. <laughs> <laughs> we're world leaders at GAA like. and, and, and and we're not so bad at horse race and then so you know, I suppose it's connected and look, growing up for me anyway, it was You'd go to Perky Cueve of a Saturday and you'd go to a point of pint of a Sunday or you might go to a, a, a club game or something and you'd go to a point of pint Sunday and you'd meet the same fellas that you'd meet in the park. You'd meet him at the point of pint Sunday and one you'd bounce off the other and then you might go out to Tullus or where you'd meet him again and 
and it just became people were just I don't know there was everywhere you went there was the same yeah. type of people going to boat I events th I think the connection as well with hurling and racing is that they're generally performed where the land is quite good and um, so it's kind of like the south of the, the country is where like you know obviously hurling is hurling is generally played uh, with the exception of Galway where the land is good and racing is like that as well it's like basically that it's they're, they're linked for a reason Kildare has the best land in the country not the not best hurlers. Not, not the May West at the hurlers. No, yeah, Kyle, how did you get into it? Because when, when you joined off the ball, there was this kind of uh, massive infusion of racing knowledge and interest. Suddenly, everybody's uh, huddling around. Because we've no, generally that, that got... That was just a, me tips, me bad we've tips generally that got a bad tip. That was it, hey. yeah. I did back two winners today, though, and Davey was one of them uh, presenting Percy, so I was pleased with that as well. Nothing, so, yeah. nothing better than getting a win and tip from earlier on. Yeah, that's it. I think it's in the room, actually. I got a tip today, literally about two minutes before the off. Just make sure you get on presenting Percy, which I did. And then I backed Patrick Mullins in the last in the bumper, so yeah, was, I, was, I was made and up. And we've yeah. arranged for you to personally yeah. thank them uh, tonight. <laughs> I've already said thanks to yeah. Yeah, yeah. So how did you get into racing? What was your gateway? Um, probably through Nile. No, um, no, it was through my granddad. My granddad was, was, was big into racing. My dad was big into the racing. So I suppose it's the same as us all. We would have got into it through family members, my uncles. And I mean, I, was, I, I, I grew up close to, close to Aintree, close to Haydock. So I would have been regularly going to Haydock at Aintree, went to Cheltenham probably when I was about 17 or 18 as well. And then that was it, we went from there. So, you know, you, I've kind of followed it since I was a young lad. Yeah. Uh, David, the, the presenting person thing, what do you put down the popularity of, of certain individual horses? Because like, it's mad that certain horses kind of galvanise the whole country in a way. What do you think this horse in particular has that people yeah, like? He keeps winning, I suppose. And... <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, and I suppose he's... You know, he's kind of, I just suppose he keeps winning and people have, have anybody that's financially, uh, uh, they like, like to keep it rolling on and he seems to win at the right days and obviously the big days as well, he's, he seems to be a better horse and the bigger, the bigger the day he seems to be, the better he is, you know, so. That definitely helps. It's a big, a big help for him, yeah, and I look at I suppose, look, uh, Philip Reynolds and Anne, his wife. Um, um, obviously, they're they're uh, he's a son of 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 Albert, and you know what I mean. Albert Reynolds was a mass masterman for this country, so he'd have a connection that way too. And a great businessman, and he's just a very nice man, really. You know, and they enjoyed the race and as well. You know, and here they let the horse run away there. And to be honest, Philip is is happy to let everybody feel they own him a bit of presenting Percy as well. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I wondered though if part of it as well was um, your connection with the horse as well. Like last year was such an emotional victory. The interview that you gave afterwards was just so personal and open and honest. And I think Irish people very much respect that. And um, I don't know, I think there's a connection with you in this horse as well. Yeah, would you believe uh, my son was born um, uh, a couple of, jeez, uh, uh, let me hear. <laughs> a couple of weeks after Ch after Cheltenham, and uh, his second name is Percy, would you believe he's... <laughs> Le Le Liam Percy Russell, so um, a bit of pressure on him there, but uh, um, I don't know what it is with the horse. I just, I just enjoy, enjoy riding them and I, I, I like riding for the, the connections. Does pressure come with a success like that after a while where that expectation comes, whereas other races, like I read what you're talking about, um, you win the National on Tiger Row and you're like, there's no pressure to win the National, the pressure is to just be safe and get home. Pressure is to get on them, to be honest, to get the ride. And uh, once you have it, then I don't, 
Oh, sure, look, come here. I'm too old now to be worrying about that, and if they don't want me to write them, uh, I'm happy enough with that too. Do you know what I mean? But I, I just love riding horses, and that's all I want to do is ride winners and, and ride horses and enjoy myself. And, uh, and uh, when I was a young lad, I suppose you were always worried maybe about where the next one would come from. And now, I, I suppose I've always been lucky, really. Um, I've always been lucky. I've always been capable of riding winners and finding a nice horse. And he just came along at a time there that, that I wasn't riding any nice horses. At, well, no, I was, but any top-class horses at the time. And I suppose he, he just sprung on the, the career again, you know what I mean? On a scale of one to ten, like how easy a ride is he for a jockey? Oh, very straightforward. He's a fantastic horse to measure. He's jumps there and he travels well during his race, but uh, at the same time, um, he can over race at times and he can under race at times, if you know what I mean. But uh, he just seems to be better on the bigger day. The bigger the crowd, the more excitement he seems to, to rise to it. And uh, But he, he, he doesn't, um, he never. He's never really won a race by any 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 manner. On he just he just kind of keeps doing things, you know. That's the thing is, well, horses have intelligence. That like he knew today something big was happening. There was a clamour of people around the parade ring. That um, sadly enough, you don't get as often as you'd like at meetings anymore. Um, and to have uh, like this massive. I remember when see the stars ran in Leopard Sound. Um, there was just this rush to go to the parade ring. It's, it's not like you know in Japan or you know the Far East where people literally queue up to get into the races. We're a bit more chilled out about things than that, but you could tell with presenting Percy today that um, you know there was there was just this real emotion and like expectation. And I was actually talking to Eddie Scally, uh, the course manager, and he was relaying like talking to Pat Kelly during the week about like would the horse run or not. And Pat Kelly was like, sure, sure. What's the matter like? And Eddie's like. <laughs> Matt was a fair bit like, you know. <laughs> and uh, it was like, it's been a mad year weather-wise, but the fact that it hasn't rained basically in eight months in Dublin meant that Gorn was softer today and Gorn had an emotional day with presenting Percy one. Yeah, we're obviously here tonight with thanks to the Dublin Racing Festival, which takes place at Leopardstown Racecourse on Saturday the 2nd and Sunday the 3rd of February. 15 races, eight grade ones, 1.8 million in prize money. You can book your tickets now at leopardstown.com. Presenting Percy is entered for the Dublin Racing Festival, but there was some talk that maybe that won't happen now. What do you think? Well, could could I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past um, Pat. I'd say if uh, Arsenal tell him whether he's okay. And to be and to be honest, um, I suppose he's come this far and waited for the ground. I suppose the ground seems to be a little bit drier in Leperstone than anywhere else. And uh, whether he'll chance him there or not, I don't know. But I wouldn't write it off now. Okay, right. Definitely wouldn't write it off. Um, I don't know did he ever run there. Um, no, he didn't. I don't, oh, did he? He might have. He's never run a level so. No. no. Did, did you have any say in his planning last year? Because not he went. Not one bit. Yeah. Nor would I have any say in his future planning, nor do I want to have any say in his future. I'll tell you what I want to do. I want to get into my car, I want to drive it to the races, I want to put on my colours, get up in them, get off them, and go home. Yeah. <laughs> There's no pressure. No pressure then. <laughs> Uh, you I, I didn't have a chance with the mooch there about Leprosy. The mooch, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, a I, bit of a slower pace now, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know anything about training horses, and I used to pretend I, I did, do you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, the trainer is training them, and that's it. You did you breed I mean? a nice winner during the week? Is that? Yeah, grand yeah. horse. Seems to be a grand horse, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Davies playing this down. This horse, 
the source was uh, actually a Kevin Kilban tip um, that won during the week in Britain. Um, He's a half-brother to relegate, who obviously won the champion bumper last year, and looks a very, very nice horse, Sivy. Which one was that? Mam Trasna. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's a grand horse, yeah. Yeah, yeah. my tips are not normally that good, I can assure you, honestly. If, if it, like, that's decent breeding, though. This is a, this is a smashing horse. Yeah, no, a lovely horse, yeah. I'd say he'd, he'd be a grand horse. We sold him as a foal, and... Um, yeah, he had a nice first run and then he obviously improved from that. I'd say he could be a horse to go on maybe and jump a hurdle in time. What kick would you get out of breeding a horse that could be? Oh, yeah, great, sure. We, 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 we had the, the fortune of breeding a relation of his was Colonel Braxton, who was a very, very good race horse. Uh, he won a great Norman, one. Norman. That's right, yeah, for John Magner. And, um, you know, um, it is a long time since we kind of got a horse with that potential. It's hard starts going and win a bumper now. It's nice, you know, and it gives Dad a bit of a lift, you know. Davy, at some point, the being the jockey obviously is something that comes to an end for everybody. Are you? Do you have an end point in sight? Do you have a some some reason to stop, or do you just want to keep going as long as you possibly can? And oh, sure, as long as they, as I keep fooling them away there that I'm able to ride them, I'll I'll keep going. I I, I enjoy riding horses, and uh, if it's tomorrow, it's tomorrow, and if it's in five years' time, it's in five years' time. But it's, I you need a good horse, you see. Do you know what I mean? That's what keeps you going. If you're going to be going around riding scrubbers at my age, like you know, it's, <laughs> that's not fun. But the fun that goes out of it then, and and I suppose it's the same with the likes of Nicky or any player. Like if if you have a good team around you and you're winning and you keep you'll keep playing, and when you don't, well, the old fun goes out fairly fast, I'd imagine. But I'm having plenty of fun at the moment, anyway. Wait, the thing is, it strikes me though that, like, the thing that makes you a great jockey is experience and horsemanship, and it's not, it's not just the physical strength and the agility. Like those things are obviously important to a certain degree, but mostly it's your ability to read a situation, know what's happening, and that's something that improves presumably the more you do it. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, for a national hunt jockey, uh, your time kind of runs out by the time you realised what you should have been doing all along it's nearly over, do you know what I mean? But like, I don't believe that, I think we're lucky that we have the likes of Jack Kennedy there in Paul Town and, and, and the likes of them around us there that um, they're only going to get better in the next couple of years. Do you know what I mean? So um, they're very good at the moment, you know, and they're, they're going to get better. And um, we just have this habit of creating good jockeys. Um, do you feel like you're all part of the same club? Like, or, because you, you you all have to slit each other's throats, metaphorically, in a race to win it and to try and get on it. So you're competing constantly, and yet, like on the outside, we all think the Irish jockeys are doing great. You're talking about those young lads like it's collegiate. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't like anybody to say anything about them, no. To be honest, uh, um, I, I, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't give an inch or you wouldn't ask for one, so there's no point in, in expecting one. But at the same time, um, you must have a bit of respect for your colleagues and, look, I can beat them. I, and I know I'm capable of beating them, but um, at the same time, you'd be ending up in the back of an ambulance in, in a heartbeat. So like, there's no point in uh, in um, you know, that's just the way it is. Like you know, yeah, we've we've had a few instances in recent years, and I think it's great for racing. The the point to point win at the weekend from the you know the jaws of absolute defeat was one of the most probably one of the most watched racing clips on social media of all time, but. We've also had clips of jockeys who are more or less had a shocker of a mistake at a fence and somehow the jockey beside the other jockey has the kind of sense of mind to 
try to help that jockey back on the horse, at least that he won't fall. And Davy was, you know, has been one of them as well. And I think that does wonders for the kind of good image of race. You kind of have to look after each other. Well, God, you do, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not. It wouldn't be much fun now when you're going at 35 mile an hour at 20 leads and they all want to choke each other. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, you must have some bit of respect for your your fellow man, but at the same time, you know, when it comes maybe half or three quarters of the race, you know, from there on in, you're you're on your own, really. Be some crack if you were jumping the last, like, and he was kind of like half thrown off the horse, and you're like, yeah, get him yeah. back up, give like, a, you know, give him a push. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I don't know what it is. Look, come here. You know, you, you, we all go to each other's weddings and we all go to each other's funerals. You know what I mean? It's just just the way it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's a community. We've been talking about that the whole way through that we've been doing these shows on, on Fridays, Johnny. That there's like a there is a community out there that looks after each other and kind of understands that unless they work together, this thing's not going to get bigger and better. Yeah, but it's, isn't it the same with them GA teams? Like I'm sure it's, it isn't. It isn't. Yeah. Racing's, a, racing's a total cocoon in the sense of like it's it's basically you you meet the same people over and over. Whereas if you play Gaelic games, like you you, you train with your club or whatever, and you know you'll play against the opposition, and you might meet them here and then. But racing every if you go racing like most days, you know the people who are there. And you know I I, I texted Pat Smullen before I came on the show just to ask him how he was keeping. And he's like, oh, I'm in great form. And, uh, you know, I, I said, would you come on the off-the-ball racing show soon? He's like, oh, yeah, absolutely, no problem. And the way racing rallied around him and the way racing rallied around, you know, Jamie Codd when he lost his brother Willie, and this is only in the past year or so, um, you know, would make anyone be very proud to be involved in it. You know, they're all kind of, um, they're all fighting a war while they're at the races, but ultimately they're all great friends and, you know, um, when you go to a racing funeral, I remember, I think, when Desi Hughes passed away, um, it's amazing the amount of racing people there, and they're all fighting for a win, but ultimately they're all fighting together. Yeah, no, that definitely comes across as well. Um, Davey, when you have a fall like the one you had today, the, the physical toll that it takes on you, how long has that taken you to recover from these days? Well, sure. Uh, I don't know, I haven't broken a bone in a couple of months. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I actually, um, I think it's it's unbelievable when you hear we talk about injuries in in GA and injuries in hurling and all. But when you talk, when you listen to the way the jockeys, of unbelievable admiration for the way they just talk about broken bones and broken ribs and popped ribs and punctured lungs, like they're just just like a common everyday cold. It's just unbelievable, really, the uh, way they get on with it. A great at attitude, really, to get we, on with the next horse. We don't really need our bodies as much as uh, 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 the. GA lads do, if you know what I mean. There's Dennis Walsh rearranging your face. <laughs> it was my own fault, actually. See, my hurley, I have my hurley turned the wrong way. That should have been turned a bit down like that. This is 87-ish, is that that? that 90, I'd say that's 1990, yeah. Corked with the double that year. Uh, Why didn't you wear a helmet, actually? It's just... It was probably just stupidity at the time. It was, it was helmets really came in, in in the 70s, the late, you know, late the early 70s, and I suppose really we were kind of stupid in the sense that until it became mandatory, mandatory, we were saying, well, sure, you're, and and particularly maybe if you wore a helmet as I did, sometimes starting off, and you didn't play very well that day, then blame it on you, the helmet. You associated mm. playing poorly with wearing a helmet, and then you were, you know, we were stupid really because a lot of the uh, injuries that that occurred 
all through the, the, the time in hurling were, were eye injuries, really serious. In it. And, and ultimately, it was the eye surgeons in Limerick and Watford hospitals who actually made the rule mandatory for a finish. To, to, they, they were the people who really drove the, the campaign to, put, to make helmets compulsory and sure look, nobody Nobody knows it any differently now, and it's uh, it's hard it, even. It's uh, hard to imagine like that's not that long ago. Yeah. Well, they, no, they put the yeah. soft soccer boys to shame, don't they? They do. Listen, the jockeys and the and the GA boys. Honest to God, we're we're a shambles, total shambles, us boys. Yeah. I wouldn't like more yeah. Salah riding in but the beginning of the day. So. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to sound like a jockey now, but interestingly, that looks a lot worse than it actually was because yeah. it, it was. You remember just, it? I do well. Yeah, it was only just a flesh thing, really. Because no. Uh, <laughs> There was no break there or any damage, you know. What was the worst injury you got? Um, uh, again, it was my own fault, but I went, when, when I started off um, in uh, 1982, I, I went to block down someone. I, I really wasn't that experienced, and I just took the ball, and I took the full force of the hurley straight up here, and uh, it did a lot of damage, really, to be honest. The time he done the most damage was when he was cycling a bicycle with his wife. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and her shoe got caught in the spokes and he was out over the front of it. And it That's a fact. We were, we were at a, a function. Uh, so Davy, Davy and I were at a function for Dr. Con Murphy, who's been the Cork doctor for, since 1976, yeah. last Saturday night. And... Uh, so Dr. Khan was my doctor since I was in UCC, and uh, he's looked after me in hurling terms for a long time. But the first time he ever stitched me was when, uh, shortly after I met my new girlfriend, now wife, and we were cycling down a hill in Cork, and she was on the bar of the bike. You never see that anymore, obviously, either. <laughs> and for whatever reason, she no her leg went back into the nose. So we didn't wear helmets playing hurling. We were hardly going to wear <laughs> <laughs> So I went straight, I, w I was catapulted out over onto the road, and <laughs> so Dr. Khan fixed me up for the first time and not for the last time. So. Head over heels. <laughs> yeah. Davy, you're from Yall, is it? Yall, yeah. Yeah, is that hurling country or football country? Yeah, neither. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, no, we're, we, we, Bill Cooper plays midfield there for, for, for Cork, he's a Yall man, and Shami Harnady then is just out the road, he sent it has just... It, he should actually play, be playing for y'all, but did an argument there a couple of years ago. And that never happens, GA. Yeah. <laughs> he went to school in y'all. We'll put it that way. And um, and uh, then I suppose Klein is on on the way up, and Immaculate then is the is the, the accumulation of of them clubs together. They won the county county final this year. So Middleton is neighbouring town, and you've. Ah, so it is hurling country though. Hand, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the. Yeah. And then, well, I suppose we we bought a Conor Coonan, then is is a Hada, which would be just up the road as well, like you know. So we're lucky enough. Shawnee Leary was. Shawnee Leary, yeah. We Do remember Shawnee used, 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 used to be leaning up against the goalpost waiting for the ball to come in. He <laughs> he might touch three balls in the game. He scored two one. <laughs> yeah. He well he. he he beat Tiberi in 1984, was one of the famous. That's right. Yeah. Tiberi hadn't, uh, they hadn't won the Munster final for a long time. It looked He's like they Tomas had Tomas O'Leary's father. Oh, right. They so had a one, and Sean O'Leary scored the last goal to win it for. Yeah, first man to flick a ball, and he was always flicking, flicking wow. balls. When, you, when, you, look, when you look at his body shape relative to players now, Sean O'Leary was in Google him. <laughs> Google <laughs> Sean O'Leary, who was Tomas O'Leary's father, the rugby player. So we're talking about, anyway, we're talking about. Good. Good Another jeans. century. Good genes there, though. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to talk to you, uh, David, a little bit about the, the state of the game at the moment in Ireland because um, 
like when you look at the success that we've had uh, in recent years, you've kind of been front and centre over the last 15 years as the sport has changed. Why do we get so good? Why, why was there so many horses that came along at the same time? And why are our jockeys the ones who are the ones who are being successful at the moment? What do you put it down to? Ah, sure, I don't know. I suppose today it was a Galmai hurdle, and Galmai, when Galmai won in Cheltenham, he was the only Irish winner we had. And then there was another year, Jim Bulger trained a winner, and we won the Fox Hunters. Uh, a lovely citizen, I can't remember the name of 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 um, Clifton Fogg. Was there one of them horses that won in Cheltenham? And they were the only two winners that Ireland had that year. And now if we don't have 14 or 15, it's kind of regarded as a bad year. I remember before that the president used to meet uh, the, the, the connections of the horses after Cheltenham, that was such a thing. Now the president doesn't bother because <laughs> there's probably too many people up there. But uh, no, I suppose, look, the country itself changed, really, and then... Could you feel it happening as was happening? Did you kind I'll of sense... I could, yeah. I was trying to sell a load of horses at the time. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, no, you could. Um, I think Point to Points would have to have a big part to play in it because uh, they're obviously all along the good horses back along the, the um, 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 uh, Florida Pearl, and I know he stayed in Ireland, but the likes of him, best mate... You know, and they showcased that the point of points could sell a Gold Cup horse, could sell a champion hurl, Imperial Call, and all them horses. And then um, Michael O'Leary's been huge on since of like he's absolutely. so many horses and they're in this country. But Michael O'Leary, JP McManus, Philip Reynolds, the man breeding a mare blowing in 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 Kerry, this milking forty cows. Do you know what I mean? It was always there, like. And I suppose what happened then people always knew that we create we, we had the best horses. You know, so we, we, were, we were selling them to England for quite a number of years, and the best of them were being sold to England, and the ones that remained in this country then, you know, were the likes of Galmoy or Lovely Citizen, or the likes of maybe a horse off the flat or something, were, were good enough to go and compete in, in Cheltenham. And then, I suppose, there was a, a new crest of owner came along. Obviously, JP was always there, and he was a huge supporter of Point to Points, and and up along anyway, um, and then the likes of Jigginstown came along, and I suppose when I started with Jigginstown, they were quite small, and they grew, grew. and as Jigginstown grew, there was an awful lot of owners came in a, f in a flourish there, to, to, and the whole thing grew together. And then, you know, kind of after a couple of years, you know, it was just that we were back competing, you know, and we were able to compete and we were able to, we always had the trainers and we always had the jockeys. Yeah. And it's a culture in Ireland, you know, most farms when I was growing up or, or most people, you, you went to a riding school or you had a pony at home. Do you know what I mean? You had a pony in England now, was a different story. You went to, to, to Wembley or, or whatever the show jumping. In Ireland, you had a pony, you went hunting. You know, and um, I suppose we were there was a lot of flapping and pony racing, and that was another that was a step forward. And then there was always jobs in racing. Yeah, well, I was going to ask so that. Did you know as a kid that you were going to be able to make a living in horse I racing? I care less if I was getting. I look. I could tell you about the first job I had. I got twenty pounds a week. Uh, I was thirteen years of age, blowing Pilltown in in Kilkenny. 
and I was sent away from home. You left home, yeah. Yeah, and I didn't care less. I couldn't. It never fazed me whatsoever. Um, Frank, Frank O'Brien, um, Tony O'Brien, Kevin O'Brien's father, um, I went down there, lived with him, got 20 pounds a week, and if he didn't give me the 20 pounds, it wouldn't make any difference once I was riding horses. Was that, was that like for you being scouted by Man United a little bit? Like, you know, this is your dream come true at 13, you've decided, oh, you knew exactly what it was. Like, and that was it from that point. That was all I wanted. It was the money, the money didn't matter. Um, as long as I was riding horses, I didn't care. Um, or doing some, anything with horses. It's mad though, isn't it? Well, yeah. like as a 13 year old, you make this decision, yeah, I'm going to go and do this, and then your life changes forever as a result of it. That's right, yeah. And do you know, I've been riding pint of pints. When I started riding, I started riding pint of pints because, look, obviously I wanted to be a jockey, but I was never going to turn professional. I was never going to ride the winner of a Gold Cup or a Grand National. I was going to ride, I was happy enough riding the winner to confined in tallow. Do you know what I mean? And that's what I wanted, and, and, and that's what I got, and I was just lucky enough to get the opportunity to turn professional. How did that change? What was that decision? Ah, sure, I didn't ever think it would happen because it was always a bit heavier, you know, and then, and I wouldn't have turned only for the man that I turned professional for. He had 120 horses, and I got free rein to ride them all. Um, and I worked on my weight and I got a bit lighter and things. And that's the only reason I turned professional because I had a huge amount of horses to ride. Now, I wouldn't have turned professional if I had five or 10 horses to ride. But they're doing it now. There's young lads turning professional now. And it's a little bit worrying that there's no young lad that has a talent that can stay riding in point of points for a number of years. You know, it's just changed. The whole scenario has changed because at 16, they're going turning professional and they're, they're, they're earning a living and they're probably right. But at the same time, maybe the quality of rider is suffering a little bit for it. You know, they're probably not getting the grounding that, that we got as young lads and a bit of hardship. What you, you know? did with Ferdy Murphy is like pretty much unheard of nowadays. It took over to Ferdy as uh, with the background you had. That just doesn't happen anymore. No, no, sure. Look, they're all turning there at kind of sixteen and seventeen. It's just changed. It's mm. just that's that's life changes and things change and you move and you the go. Only high, the only high profile change from amateur to pro in recent years was Rachel Blackmore. And uh, like when Rachel went pro, like I remember being in the press room at race meetings and lads were like, This girl can barely get a ride, not to mind a winner as a pro and she's or as an amateur and she's going pro like has she any idea what she's doing she's an absolute nutcase and now she's version on being champion jockey in Ireland she's a nutcase anyway no but <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't such a nutcase turning professional yeah uh, she was yeah yeah and a credit to her but she has worked and when I was an amateur turning professional and I'd say it's the same maybe with the likes of Nikki playing for your club and playing for your county or playing for in soccer, the same, when you're making it, I had to improve enormously. What were you as a rider riding for Ferdy compared to what you're like now? Duff. I'd make Ferdy Murphy champion trainer if I was riding, uh, if, mm. I, if I was able to ride the way I am now. What age I mean, were you when you went to Ferdy? 22, I was probably, old, 23 maybe. And it was daunting as well, because you were moving out, you know, of what you knew, you were going to England and... You had to get used to riding completely different tracks. A lot oh, of absolutely, yeah. I had no idea what I was letting myself in for, and I didn't. I wasn't prepared for it, and it took me a couple. It took me a lot of time to make the step from being an amateur to, to being a professional. Um, the lifestyle. I thought the lifestyle was going to be different, to be honest. <laughs> 
I didn't think I'd have to work half as hard. And uh, I thought there'd be an awful lot more money. Um, and there isn't. There's half the money and there's twice the work. Um, and, Why um, did you stick at it then when you found that out? What, like, what was the... Because that's the bit where... I should have was gone at that stage and I'd only one. I remember it. Look, I was told... Some people told me not to turn and other people told me to turn. And one man said, look, you're a big fish in a small pond at the moment. He says, you turn professionally, you're a small fish in a big pond. And sure, that was like a, reg, a red bull to a rag, a red rag <laughs> to a bull. And um, I just um, wanted to prove a point. Sure, I wanted to prove a point. I wanted to ride. I was waking up every week riding winners after the other as an amateur. And... Suddenly turned professional, and every day I went racing, I didn't ride a winner. I couldn't understand that. Um, I just wasn't good enough, so I had to improve. You just had to get better. That was it. You got better, or you went away. And like this, the, the soccer player came that like, like you, that was like this underage starless, and you go to the big club, and like of all the no. players that have gone from Ireland, maybe 98 percent, whatever, don't succeed. But Davy went over as this kind of like prodigy. And between the Jigginstown job, kind of getting that job, losing that, and between what happened with Ferdy Murphy, he's an amazing example of what you do when things go wrong. You yeah, either, you either go on a, a, down, a downhill spiral, or you're like, well, what I can I do to improve? I wouldn't be half the right I am now only for the Jigginstown job. Mm. They, that pushed me on through, you know, and I wouldn't be half the right I am now without Ferdy Murphy. So all them steps along the way, and I wouldn't be half the right I am now without losing the job or whatever you want to call it. I never really lost the job, I just... Yeah, but didn't. you didn't lose the job because you didn't have sour grapes. Like, so if, if he, he was riding in Tremor on, was it New Year's Day, and I was there that day, and I remember, like, he got a hell of a reception. I think he rode a double that day, and it was one of these, like, when I was working the racing boats, you, you went to the gaff tracks, and a lot of the time you weren't, you know, you weren't fully invested in it because it was average enough racing. And Davy that day, I remember the reception he got, like, for a run-of-the-mill card, yeah, Everyone was, was back on the track as well then, as well, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, and um, I always remember uh, the, the story was told in the sense of Michael O'Leary, um, he asked me to go for a cup of tea, and that was the outcome, and a few years later, there was a and a with Gordon Elliott in, um, in the paper, and obviously Gordon is like basically the mainstay of the Jigginson operation, and he went up big time, my estimation, because uh, it was like, you know, what do you eat for breakfast, blah, 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 blah. What's your biggest fear in racing? And he goes to be asked to go for a cup of tea. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what was Tremor like that day for you then, going home to your, your home track and having the warm embrace of your own people at a moment of, of difficulty? Ah, oh, yeah, but sure, I always had my family at home and they were never going to go away, so unfortunately for them, they had to, <laughs> they had to stick by me. And I asked her, look, I spent my childhood traps around the country at point to points and you know when you're involved in the game you know people and I don't think I ever really done anyone any, any harm along the way so they were kind of look come here life is full of its ups and downs and laugh when you're supposed to laugh and you cry when you're supposed to cry and that was just that was just the way life went and I was lucky enough like what Michael O'Leary has done for my career is is phenomenal like you know Absolutely phenomenal. Like I, I wouldn't be half the writer I am. I'd say not many people would have the interest in listening to what I have to say without. And and I, I just think that maybe you can be a little bit hard on them bigger uh, organisations because of the size of them. But really, at the end of the day, they're mighty men for our sport, and you know they're 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 
the likes of JP and all them people that invest. And, you know, a little bit harder than the, me the media are a small bit harder than because they're taking the fun out of it a small bit for them. And, and, and I don't think they should. I think the media should just make it a little bit more enjoyable for them people, you know what I mean? Because... Uh, In what way? What, what, what are they doing? What's the, is it criticism of them and... Well, it, not criticism of them, but it's criticism that maybe it looks like certain people are taking... Uh, certain, you know, trainers are training too many winners and owners are having too many winners. And I tell you one thing, to be a lot worse if we were, if there was none of us, you know, training that, winners. That's the mad economy racing, because I remember Tony Mullins had a, a piece in the Irish field where he was like... There's no way, like in handy, say in today's Tiestes, 14 of the 18 runners were either trained by Gordon or Willie, um, which is not really a, a satisfactory situation for the grassroots. But Tony had a piece basically saying that, you know, um, there should be a cap on the amount of horses and any particular owner can run in a handicap. And it was quite a high profile thing. And Tom Mullins, like, basically had an article in the Irish Field quite recently where he also kind of had a go. And I remember, like, there was a lot of acrimony at the time, like, between the O'Leary's and Tony Mullins for his comments. But racing is such that, like, because you literally meet these people all the time. I was there in the parade ring today, and who was there laughing and joking to each other? Tony Mullins and Eddie O'Leary. And I was just like, this is a mad game. Like, it's like, these, these people were at each other's throats, like, whatever it was, a year and a half ago. And now they're below and gore and just having the crack before the Thayestes. Yeah. It's like, it's, there's no other sport that that happens in. Well, it, it is that balance that we, we talk about as well. Like, if you didn't have those owners investing all that money, these horses wouldn't stay here and the right. rising tide wouldn't lift all boats. So. Uh, Michael O'Leary has been insanely good for racing in this country. Ah, but and JP now as well, you know, the likes of JP McManus and, and even Cool Moore and, you know, John Magner and, and the input they have put into the game as well is, is, is huge, you know what I mean? And, and then, but that trickles all the way back down to the, to the man that's breeding with one mare that's able to produce a horse that can win a gold cup, do you know what I mean? So everybody has their part to play in the sport and, and it's great that, you know, to bring it down to earth fairly fast as well, you know? Can I ask you one thing about confidence? Because, um, you know, we're, we're going to talk to Rachel Blackmore and she had more winners before Christmas this year than she had at all the whole year. And I know Kev's talked about this before as well, that like the difference between being successful and not successful in sport is having a bit of confidence in yourself and a bit of self-belief. I think it is. I think we've all probably experienced that before at various stages. John described me as a, what was he from? He's a prodigy there. Not, not at all. It certainly was never that way for me as a kid coming through. And something that David touched on there, you get to a, you get to a level. I, I got to Premier League football, you play in Sunderland, and all of a sudden, it, the reality hits you. It's like you've, you've touched nothing. You're playing international football, you're playing Premier League football. It, it, you're not even touching the sides. You've got such a long way to go when you reach that level and you've got to go again. And that's what you're saying there, David. You're saying, you, you, yeah. you know, when that, you get that setback at, at Jigginstown, you get that. And it's, it's about how you pick yourself up and what, you, what you're going to do to get yourself back up to the level that, that you're at and beyond it. Because that's the only way about looking forward. You, it's quick, quickly comes back to biting the balls, sport does. Without a doubt, it does, yeah. The other thing that David said there was that you get to the end of your career and you realise all the good stuff that you should have been doing at the start of it. Yeah, well, that's the thing, yeah. You, really, you, let, you let the good times go by far too easily. You, you, in many respects, you can't really enjoy them because you're looking ahead, what's next, what's coming around. And, and sometimes you, you, maybe even I would look back now and think sometimes wake up and smell the roses because there were so many great times that you didn't really appreciate at the time, yeah. Didn't the tip lads have um, a good time every time they won, though, Nicky? Wasn't that one of the things you were good at? They never won well, back-to-back back all Ireland. Just, yeah. That's why we didn't win so often, either. <laughs> <laughs> 
we only won we won twice in 15 years when I was playing. So and and yeah, so and we ne we have never retained the, the All Ireland since you know since 1964. So. I've got a grudging respect for that though. It means you absolutely do enjoy the absolute maximum. <laughs> well, we certainly did enjoy it, and sure, you know, as lads have said, there's ups and downs, and sure sometimes. You know, uh, I've, I've seen someone being quoted there recently. If you if you win, you can't really nowadays have the space to enjoy it so so much. There's so much attention and so much media. You can because someone has a camera shoved in your face. You know, you whereas yeah. we we certainly never had that, had that problem really. And, and 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 lots of the time, if you lose, you know, the people who are who are with you for the drink after when you lose, they're the people who really are your friends. You know, yeah. as, as as you go through life, you know, so. There's ups and downs everywhere. You we just yeah. you're lucky to enjoy it. That's basically it. A good wake is as good as a good wedding. Uh, the other thing that I want to just bring up there, the, 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 what happens is that there's a rivalry now where at the end of Punchestown, we're trying to see who's going to win the, um, the Trainers' Championship. And that is an, an interest that makes that end-of-season festival way more interesting for the common... Like the, the casual sports fan is like, am I going to pay attention to this? Am I going to just pay attention to this specific race? But like... The trainers' competition actually drives interest, I would say, in the sport as well. In the same way that the rivalry that you had with Galway, that was like there wasn't much else going on in hurling in the late nineties, late sorry, late eighties. If it hadn't been for the fact that Cyril Farrell was up against you guys, yeah, I suppose. Well, you had, you, had, you had Galway and Tip just coming to the to the fore at the same time. Like we we stopped Galway winning three in a row in eighty nine, and we were probably unlucky to, to meet Galway at their prime as well. And then Cork actually came came in fairly pretty good at that time as well. But there was there were savage games really back between Tipperary and Galway, because they were built up from the word go. You basically knew that somewhere down along the line, Tip were going to play Galway to to decide who was going to be the champion in those three or four years. And you know there was the same players marking the same players all the time. But you know it was it was it was, it was fairly tough back that time. Yeah, There's yeah. Definitely a parallel there that Gordon is trying to figure out like what can I do because he really. He really wants, like Kevin Keegan that time, he really wants to win the title. And it's just like he's been so close. And it's just like that motivation, like the Kenny hurlers have driven the quality of hurling up so much. It's like we, can't, we can moan about this or we just have to strive to be better. And that's like ultimately what Gordon is trying to do. And the hunger that he has to be, to be Willie Mullins is incredible. But he's not yet there and he won't get there until he finds that you know, dynamic to actually improve. Tell you, I nearly broke my heart was uh, I was second in five championships and the one year Ruby got injured, Paul Townen beat me. <laughs> <laughs> and that nearly broke my heart. But luckily enough, I won, a, I won it afterwards, but... What did it mean to be champion jockey, like, because... I should have meant everything, really, but at the end of the day, like... <clears throat> you're only champion jockey for a day, really, like, as such, because we start... You're back in Ballon Road, whatever you move on. You go back to zero and you have to start all over again. But look, it's you're maybe when I'm in an old fellow inside in a pub somewhere and they're telling me grandkids that I was champion jockey and my something like that. Mm. But you know, to get to the top of your sport, any sport, whether it's fucking tiddlywinks, if you're good at it and you get to the top of it, then you know, you have to be satisfied. You know, that has to that gives you an awful lot of satisfaction, but it's just unfortunate, unfortunate that you just, there's no point in being champion jockey. Well, there's every point in being pan, champion jockey, but you must go and prove it again, and again, and again, and again. But and it's then, like big race winners or champion jockey? I'm sure it, winners, just winners in general, because I tell you, you know, 
they'd put you down as quick as they put you up. And that's just life and that's their sport and there's nothing, there's no, I've no problem with that, but that's just the way it is. So once you can keep riding winners, you people, you don't get the opportunity to be put down if, uh, you know, as an ordinary rider, maybe, or a lucky rider or something like that. Do you, do you want to be champion jockey riding 80% kind of average horses, or do you want to have a nice career riding a lot of grade one horses? No, I, I want both. I want everything. I'm very, very <laughs> selfish, and that's genuine. I, I, I want to ride a whole load of winners, and I want to ride a whole load of good horses in between, but I suppose in this day and age now, we've such good horses in this country, for you to be riding a lot of winners, you have a great chance of coming across a good one as well. You know, in England, you, there's a, the, the grade of racing is an awful lot lower. So you could go through the whole season in England and not come across a good horse and be, you know, ride an awful lot of winners. Whereas in Ireland, if you're riding a number of winners, you're probably you're more than likely going to pop yeah. across on a good one because the racing is so competitive. You know, you, yeah. it takes a good horse to win races here. Um, so you're going to pop across a, a, a decent horse somewhere along the line. I don't think pre uh, people appreciate that, Chair, how good Irish racing is. It's like we just accept it at this stage. Like we might be world leaders in hurling, blah, 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 but like we're, our racing is so good. Like, yeah. And granted, you know, we've, we've had help from governments going down the years and all that, but we should be very, very proud of that because we are world leaders and we're punching way above our weight. Yeah, I was looking through the winners uh, at last year's Dublin Racing Festival and there's some very impressive names that, um, you know, that in and of themselves on the day have have beaten other really fabulous horses that we all kind of know, the ones that um, resonate with names. And we'll talk a bit about that a little bit later on. But, but Ireland is a special place that we can have a, a huge race course like Leopardstown in the middle of, the of, our, of our capital city. And would you believe it's a little thing that's missing in Cork, that Mallow is just a little bit outside away, that it's a pity that there isn't, I feel there should be a second race course in, in, in Cork and it should be closer to the city because Leopardstown has this, that bit of an awe about it. When you drive up to Leopardstown, as a young lad, maybe not so much now, but as a young lad, you're driving to the capital city to ride in races that, you know, that's where, that's where you, you wanted to ride winners was around Leopardstown. You see all the dog tracks now, there's no dog track left in London like the real estate is just so much to have yeah. a racetrack in Fox Rock That's like right. people need to think about that like there was a racetrack in the Phoenix Park it's a special thing it's and a special there's thing, a racetrack yeah. in the Phoenix Park which would have been my local racetrack where I live now and it's just a massive regret that that isn't there anymore because yeah. I can just imagine you know you're a Friday evening you finish work first race at the park is six o'clock go down nice there. It, yeah, yeah. Night, yeah, you go out there and you get back at six o'clock as well, like you know, and you would have been just like, this would be, this would be a good night, like you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you're, I don't know what you're implying there, Johnny. And, but and, and Dublin people, sorry, Dublin people in general are fantastic people to support uh, racing. You know, they 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 do travel around the country. Every race course you go to around the country, you always meet the dubs. They're they're great people to travel around the country and. They have something special up here to, of their own, you know what I mean? Yeah, you're a real crowd pleaser on and off the track, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Teddy Russell. Playing play the audience like a violin. Thanks a million, Davey. Uh, we're going to let Davey and Nicky go. We're going to let you guys have a, a little quick break and we'll be back. We are here, of course, tonight with thanks to the Dublin Racing Festival, which takes place at Leopardstown Racecourse on Saturday the 2nd and Sunday the 3rd of February. Yeah, you can cheer that. 15 races, 8 grade 1s, 1.8 million in prize money. You can book your tickets now at leopardstown.com. Thanks very much. <laughs>